Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Mental Golf Show. As always, I'm your host, Josh Nichols. And on today's episode, we have part one of two with Mike Carroll. You probably know him as Fit for Golf. He has an awesome presence on Twitter, and he runs the amazing Fit for Golf fitness app. I've spent a lot of time using this app, and it's uh, it's so good and simple, and he's in the process of making it even better. Something he's done that has really stood out to me is his interest in the proper ways to get better, not just throwing everything at the wall and hoping it sticks. He's, he's just so interested in the science of things and the proper ways of doing things and and not just experience, right? So it's actually the knowledge of how to get better. That's that's what sticks out to, to me most about him. And even though he's not explicitly knowledgeable in psychology, I think he brings a ton of great perspective and experience from his own learning in the game. I'm confident this conversation can directly help you play better golf through improving your mind. But before we get into this episode, if you feel like you need one-on-one work on your mental game, that's what I do. Yes, I host this podcast and I love it, but my actual occupation is working with players all over the world on their golf psychology. So if you'd like to take the next step to improve your mental game, then send an email to mentalgolfshow at gmail.com or visit my website, joshnicholsgolf.com. The link to do that is in the show notes. All right, let's go ahead and get into this conversation with Mike Carroll of Fit for Golf. Hope you enjoy. Well, thank you for being here. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks a lot for asking me. How's everything going? Yeah, things are good. Um, I uh, I don't know. It's it's cool to be talking to you because um, I feel like I know you because I I look at every tweet <laughs> at, with full focus and what's he saying now. Um, but obviously you. Uh, you don't know me. We don't know each other, but it's cool. It's yeah. cool to be here. I follow your stuff, though. I've, I've, I see all your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I have uh, a lot of my Twitter growth to to uh, attribute to you because you've retweeted a couple things and they just they explode and lots of people see it. So um, that's good. Uh, I'm glad glad to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I guess we can just we can just jump right in. I'm already recording. Um, so maybe you could. Uh, I know a little bit of your backstory just from hearing you on some other podcasts, um, but let's 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 go at it a little different way. If you were if you walked into a party, which uh, I know you are one to do at at times, <laughs> right? Uh, when you walk into a party and someone says, "Hey, Mike, what do you do? Uh, how how do you talk to them about it?" Um. I guess going to a party, usually hoping to not talk. Not about have to work. talk. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Um, yeah, explain to someone why golfers should be working out or or how it can help them. Um, generally, though, if someone asks me what I do for work, I tell them that I'm involved in physical training. Um, and then if they usually go a little bit further, asking my base in the gym or who do I work with. Then I explained to them, you know, about Fit for Golf, the business, how I set up an app with a subscription model um, and do some work with some professional golfers. Uh, yeah, that's that's generally how it goes. Does uh, golf has a, um, a very, very traditional old connotation that it doesn't require much 
physical fitness to, to be a good golfer. Um, uh, and I'm not asking, does it, or does it not? We, you and I both know that that is a huge advantage to be a strong person, uh, be able to hit it further, all of the above. But do you, do you ever have to defend the legitimacy of working out for golf to just the regular person, maybe even a non-golfer? Uh, do you ever have to defend that? No, not really. Not once no. you're explaining, not, not once you've explained to them kind of how it helps, I guess. Once you've told them that if you can help them get a little bit more flexible, get a little bit stronger, they can hit the ball closer to the hole. They're probably less likely to get injured. They're like, oh yeah, kind of makes sense, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, it, it definitely does. I mean, it's a, it's an, it's a sport where, and I've heard you talk about it. If you are stronger and more flexible and quicker, you're going to hit it further. Right. So for your, for your own golf game is what I'm, I'm kind of most interested in your own journey because, you know, as like you said, you don't, you don't have a, a ton of, um, maybe a ton of thoughts on the psychology side of the game, uh, as far as, I don't know, knowledge about psychology. Right. But for your own game, have you seen much in the way of, um, I don't know, something along the lines of, does something stress you out about golf? Right. Does, um, do you ever encounter mental blocks for yourself, uh, as far as, you know, pressure, uh, stress, confident, lacking confidence, self-doubt. Do you ever go through anything like that with your own game? Um, yeah, definitely in parts, uh, nothing particularly major though, because I guess I'm in a nice spot in that I'm playing golf recreationally, you know? So while, while I enjoy it, you know, trying to get better at it and I put a lot of effort in and things like that. As I've gotten a little bit older, definitely compared to like when I was a teenager, you know, I've definitely gotten better at realizing, you know, it's just a game in a couple of hours, you're going to be driving home or doing something else with the rest of your day and, you know, trying to be appreciative for that you're actually out there playing. Um, But I think similar things to a lot of people in terms of, you know, if there's a part of your game that you know is maybe not as good as you'd like it to be and you're playing on a course where that part of the game is going to be stressed a lot but i just try and view that more as you know a challenge rather than anything else and just accepting you know i suppose at the end of the day a lot of it is like yeah i know i'm not that good you know there's there's going to be many days where it's like yeah that's that's just that's just playing a hard game you know um Sure. That, that that would be the main thing for sure. Um, I went through a phase a couple of years ago for honestly three or four years where I had really, really bad case of the yips mm. with like chipping, pitching, um, essentially like almost any wedge shot. And that was definitely the worst time in terms of having like mental struggles on the course um because it it kind of sucks the enjoyment out of well it definitely sucked the enjoyment out of it a little bit for me um but yeah in general like i i i couldn't say that i don't think like struggling with 
you know, fear or nerves is what's holding me back in my own game because the the end of the tunnel of golf for me is not particularly that serious. You know, it's like if I get a couple of shots better, you know, great. If my handicap goes down, excellent. If if I play well in, you know, uh, like I sporadically play in some like qualifiers for, you know, local tournaments or state tournaments or whatever, if I qualify in one of them, great. But if not, it's like, I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not really that, that interested, you know, it's like, I'm amateur, like I'm, I'm never going to be, you know, an elite amateur golfer simply because I guess one, I may not, you know, be good enough, but two, I know for sure, I'm definitely never going to put in the time required to get to that level based on the other things I enjoy doing in my life. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of where I am with golf, you know? Yeah, yeah sure. I, I struggle with, with some mental challenges on the course, but it's also, you know, just, uh, that's, that's just how things are going to be. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a recreational golfer. I'll, I'll get over pretty quickly, you know? Yeah. So your, I mean, your perspective, while it sounds kind of ho-hum, you know, I, I don't care that not, not that you don't care, but it's just not that important. That's an, that's a great mentality for everyone to take on. And you're a good player, right? You have, I, I mean, your, your standard is higher than, than most, right? As far as what you expect yourself to shoot. So as of the recording of this podcast, what do you expect to shoot when you go out there and play? Um, I'm a, zero handicap so on the dot you know, zero yeah yeah literally 0. 0.0 um <laughs> okay. i like i i follow you i follow some of the some of the other people on twitter and i've i've read all the books where you know you you shouldn't have a scoring expectation um i've definitely played enough rounds where like i've seen how high zero handicaps can shoot like throughout a year, I'm definitely going to have some scores where my, you know, my differential might be as high as a, an eight or 10, I guess, on a really bad day. Um, on, on a really good day, I might have a differential of, you know, minus five or minus six, but the vast majority of them tend to fall into a differential of somewhere between like minus one and plus three or four, I guess, you know, um, somewhere in that range. And uh, I've definitely noticed that, like, as I've gotten a little bit better, like anything, you know, you kind of start to hit that almost like that wall a little bit where maintenance is reasonably easy, but getting a lot better is, you know, very hard. So, yeah, I tend to have lots and lots of rounds that are like one over, two over, three over that kind of thing you know um mm -hmm. i think you know people can like people who have gotten reasonably low with their handicaps can definitely appreciate after a while kind of like making pairs not that it's easy but you tend to make you can make a lot of them or you should be able to pair most holes but making birdies is really really difficult like there's not going to be many days where um you know you have four or five six birdies and just because golf is hard, there's going to be loads of days where you have three, four, five bogeys. It's just so easy to make a small mistake somewhere, you know? Mm. And that's that's what my rounds tend to be. It's like I make 
two, maybe like two, three birdies, maybe three, four bogeys, maybe a double, something like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Relatively boring, maybe you, you might even say. Yeah. Um, I guess like the course that I play most frequently, my home one as well, like it's, it's a local muni. So it's, there's not a whole pile of trouble out there. So even if you're not playing well, you could definitely make bogeys and you might make a double, but you know, you're not, you shouldn't really be like losing balls or, you know, racking up really big numbers, you know, but then on the other side, it's still quite challenging to make birdies on par fours and par threes, you know, like, hitting out even hitting a wedge close is challenging um you know even making pars on par threes is challenging if you're hitting a mid iron or something like that um and then usually like what i always see on the good days is that i tend to play the par threes in even which are probably the most challenging holes because it's the longest approach shot in uh and then i might play the par fives in two or three under and then maybe i make the par four is an even or one under, and then that's a great day. It might be like four yeah. under, which would be like one of my best scores. But then there's lots of days where play the four par threes and two over, play the par fours in one or two over, and then play the par fives in like one over or one under. Sorry, I think that's like two or three over total. Like I've dozens and dozens of rounds <laughs> like like that, you know. And then yeah. you walk off, and you're thinking go through the round it's like yeah i probably could have shot in like five six better there without doing a whole lot right and those rounds come occasionally but you know in 18 holes there's almost always some small mistakes you know that you're like yeah if i could have eliminated them and you know maybe one round out of you know eight or ten you don't have those mistakes and it's you know a way better than average score but that's that's why we don't shoot our best scores all the, all the time, time. You know, yeah. <laughs> mistakes are really easy to sure. to have come up. So why do you play? Because it it doesn't. You know, a lot of people play because of um, well, for many different reasons. Whatever about other people, but why do you play? Why does Mike Carroll play golf? Um, I'm definitely interested in the personal challenge aspect of it. Like I really, really enjoy um, essentially like trying to come up with, with say plans and strategies to improve. Uh, like, and that's something that is true for me across a lot of other like domains. Like in, in Ireland, we call it secondary school. In the US, it's called high school. But I was really competitive in uh, track and field and cross-country running for a while. And what I loved about that is, you know, you, like you have a personal best for your for your 3,000 meters on the track. It's like, okay, you know, I ran 10.21 in March. There's another meet in July. What What are my deficiencies with this training program? Can I run, you know, 9.50 or whatever? And basically coming up with a plan, doing it and, and seeing what comes out on the other end. The same in, in the gym with strength training, you know, um, seeing if you can come up with a training program that will maybe, you know, improve your strength levels, but also see if it transfers to whatever sporting tasks you're trying to improve, like whether it's sprinting speed or jump height or swing speed or something like that. Um, 
so there's definitely the the kind of personal challenge like it it definitely it it gets me engaged for sure um and then i i re- i really enjoy like being outside early in the morning walking uh love the social aspect um and definitely some of it too is i like i feel like put out kind of like say sounding arrogant it's something that i feel i'm good at like so i enjoy doing it um that's not arrogant yeah like i i think you know we probably all you know i know some people who are you know say really good at playing the guitar or they're really good singers and something like that so you know like they enjoy you know doing those things um yeah and i think you know f- feeling like you're you're doing something that's say both good for you in terms of health and socially and also if you feel like you are good at it and can get better at it i enjoy that i know there's people who aren't you know say good at golf by whatever metric you want to use that really enjoy it too um but that is, that is one of the things that i like like i feel like you know i'm i'm working at something that i am good at and i i get something out of that uh it's also hard like i, I like i like the ch- challenge of it um you know when we start something as beginners kind of the gains come quite quickly and that can be really enjoyable but i think almost the interesting and fun part is like okay i know those have dried up but but what am i going to do to kind of keep getting better you know um and then the last point is like i actually have a lot of free time um because i i don't have any kids yet i am a business owner uh but you know i can essentially like arrange my schedule how i see fit and i've tried to be really cognizant of not getting too obsessed with business and work uh because there's always temptation to if i put more time in here i could make more money and the business would be better but i'm kind of trying to have a bit of foresight and think you know like i'm i'm 31 now i'm never going to have as much free time ever again probably or you know maybe not until i'm much much older as i do now so i'm trying to think like how do i actually want to spend my days and definitely like how i enjoy spending my days is i like uh like in the mornings doing some sort of golf practice or playing golf i like doing some exercise and yeah then i i like settling into a little bit of work you know spending time with, with my fiance but um yeah i find that on on days i put a little bit of time into working hard at something like golf or fitness I just find it very good mentally you know I I don't want to get into the habit of you know waking up and spending a full day you know at my computer how can I you know get I don't know like a little bit more growth with the business you know and spending 12 hours doing that is like that's that's kind of not what I I want to do and golf is definitely something that uh fits the bill and the weather here is so good too that like it's just really easy to go and practice it you know it doesn't take doesn't take much uh motivation or willpower to spend an an hour or two outside in the sunshine do you do you have to and i you might have said this but do you have to um 
you might even use this word, force yourself to step away from working to go to the course? Or is it an easy, um, no, please get me away from work? It, uh, it's something I I fight, maybe other people fight, where I I know the benefits. I know how good I feel when I go play golf or or go work out, right? This is a probably an easier thing to talk about with working out is the, the benefits are clear, but I just don't want to go do it always. Golf is more fun. Working out is um, stereotypically not as fun, right? It's not a, it's not a, I don't enjoy it as <laughs> you probably do. I don't enjoy it as yeah. much as going to play golf, but is it something that you have to fight um, motivationally to say, all right, I'm intentionally saying no to work and I'm going to make myself go to the golf course? No, okay. <laughs> not, not, it's not easy really. for it's, you. Okay. It's pretty easy. Yeah. Like Got I think it. it, it sort of depends on like where the necessity is. I think, you know, um, like earlier on when I was getting fit for golf started, I didn't practice and play golf at all. Really. Um, I put pretty much all my time into trying to get that up and running, but it's in a place now where like it just doesn't require as much time in the day to keep it ticking over. Um, sort of like I said, sure, if I spent more time on it, I'm sure I could milk a little bit more growth out of it, but kind of comes a point where, you know, you have your basic requirements in terms of, you know, security. So it's like, how how do I want to spend my time today, essentially? And yeah, I just... I don't have any interest in spending the whole day like working. Um, I still put in a, a lot of time, but I, I tend to do it in the afternoon and then in the evening and use the mornings for, for golf and, and exercise basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, your, your days sound really nice. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I say I'm jealous. I could do the same thing. Right. And I, yeah. but I have to, I have to make the effort and, um, I don't know. Uh, when you, I guess one of the things you mentioned was, um, I, there are parts of your game that hold you back from improving it. And it sounds like you are good enough to, you know, qualify for a state am and play in that state am. And, but you're, there seems to be something, I don't, maybe I'm reading into this of, of you kind of playing humble or something of, um, I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm not willing to put in the time. What, what makes you say that the time that you spend and your skill level isn't good enough to perform well in a, in a bigger state level event? I think what I'm trying to be careful with, with golf more than anything else is that I recognize why I'm doing it. Um, yeah, like for sure, I have the potential to play in, say, a, like to qualify for a state amateur, and like that would be cool. But like, really, that's that's not really changing, you know, my life much at all. Uh, like on the grand scheme of things, sure, it, it changes, you know, my let's say resume as a golfer, and I'm sure it would be a cool kind of like feather in the cap. But you know it's 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 not a huge change in the grand scheme of things it's like okay i'm playing a slightly higher level of golf and i'd still be like skeptical based on 
say like how much time I didn't play golf for and the standard of player you'd be playing against and the seriousness level that they are at, you probably, I think I'd realize pretty quickly that I'm like, okay, that's actually like qualifying is one thing, you know, maybe you have a good round and qualify, but then when you get there, it's like, well, what now, you know, like I'm playing against these guys who are on college scholarships, who have ambitions of turning pro, you know, they're 20 years old and this is their, you know, daily grind. Um, so that's one thing. But then the other thing is I'm, yeah, very, very uh, cognizant of trying to make sure that I don't like set goals for golf that start to suck away the fun. Um, I definitely noticed a couple of years ago that I, like, I, I had some pretty, like some handicap goals that I was quite serious about. Um, and I just noticed, and I, I was setting deadlines for them. So it was like, by the, by this month, by this date, my goal is to be whatever. And it was good because it put some urgency on in terms of like, okay, let's focus now and let's put practice in. But then there was definitely times when I was like, I've already put in, you know, quite a lot of time. I enjoyed it, but I don't want to spend another two hours today, you know, working on my game. You know, it's just like, what, what am I doing it for? Like I'm, you know, uh, so that that's one of the big things. Definitely. I, I think there's a sweet spot where I can practice and play a certain amount, but then it's a case of I've kind of hit my satisfaction from working at this and now doing more feels like work. You know, it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's similar to like exercise and things, you know, it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll train this much and I'll train this hard but I've kind of gotten what I want to get out of it. You know, like I, I run a half marathon uh, most years at the beginning of the year. And it's, it's kind of one of those things. It's like, yeah, I enjoy training for it. I'd like to see my time come down. I have as much time pretty much as I'd like to put into it, but it's like, I don't, I don't see, I don't find the, the fun in putting in say as much time as necessary to run the best time I could possibly run, if you get me. Or, you know, if I have a, a personal goal or I say a personal best in the gym in a certain lift or whatever, it's like, yeah, this is pretty good to get more, to, to increase from here, the level of training required. Like, I'm just not doing it, you know, because it's just not worth it to me. You know, I'm just trying to, to keep things that are hobbies and recreational to keep them fun, you know, and I, I think you see sometimes with athletes in sports who are really, really good at them and they've worked hard at them, they often end up not liking them anymore because it turns into like a daily grind. And the way I view that is like, what's, what's the point, you know, and that's, that's one of the things I struggle with in golf competitions is that are in terms of like being interested in playing them is that like the time commitment relative to what I get out of it is completely different to recreational golf. Like it's completely different when you factor in the travel, the pace of play, you know, getting there early to like warm up and all that stuff, maybe trying to go there for a practice round, mapping out the course. And it's kind of striking that balance. It's like, well, if I'm going to play in this, I'm going to try and do it properly. And if you're going to try and do it properly, it's a huge time demand, which is a personal choice to make. 
And then the kind of question is like, okay, it's if I if I do well in it and say advance to the next stage, is it worth it? I don't know, maybe. If I go there and play, say, like bang on average, where I'm not disappointed with how I played, I'm not over the moon with how I played, it was just a standard round, then it's kind of a question of like, you know, it's it's definitely a first world problem, but it's just thinking back and it's like, man, that was a lot of time I gave up for this and I don't really feel like, you know, it was particularly stimulating. I got a whole lot out of it. Um, that's that's one of the things that I basically try and try and balance, you know? You're you're extremely self-aware of this is what I enjoy. This is the limit that I I know if I go past this, I will tip over my enjoyment scale and I won't do it. Right. You're um I don't know. I, I the your self-awareness is is um is phenomenal I, in, in my opinion. Is this something that you used to struggle with? You would you would go way too hard and and burn out or has, have you always been kind of good at this or did you learn the hard way or did you have to teach yourself or, or, or what? I think, I think some of it is just maturity, you know, like I think we naturally, you know, not like if, if you kind of read or, you know, listen to anybody who, you know, is involved in like, say like, uh, psychology or neuroscience or anything like that you know one of the, the first things they'll they'll talk about in any of their books or anything like that is how the brain goes through changes during life you know so do hormone levels and all that sort of stuff so i think as we get a little bit older it's common to get you know a little bit more relaxed about things i think when we're teenagers you know, or maybe even a little bit younger or slightly coming out of our teenagers, but definitely as teenagers, you know, we don't have the maturity to see past kind of like what's say happening right now. And we also sort of have, you know, like probably ambitions that we're still, you know, like really, really hungry and chasing about like, like anybody who played sport growing up when they're practicing on their own, like they're envisaging them playing you know in the playoffs or you know signing their contract or whatever um so that's but then obviously as we get a little bit older we sort of see you know okay i'm probably not going to be be a professional athlete that's that's fine uh but what what do i want to do now like how can i basically you know try and try and do things that are good for me that i enjoy that are sustainable and that's that's sort of where I am now with sports. And a few years ago, like I've, I've played other sports, you know, semi-seriously too. And there was definitely periods where they sort of meant more to me than they do now. Um, and I guess it's just it's just part of growing up, you know. Like my some of my like things at the moment are like looking for a house, talking about starting a family, you know, getting a mortgage. You know, I'm I'm running a business where I'm, you know, interacting with employees during the day and stuff. So it's kind of like, you know, everything everything is a, definitely a little bit more balanced. And then, you know, it's it sounds, you know, without kind of getting too like over the top or anything like that. But I think as we get a little bit older too, we, you know, start to notice how sometimes like how uh, quickly life can just be gone. 
Um, you know, I think everybody has an experience or multiple experiences where, you know, someone they knew just gets terrible news about health and a few months later they're gone, you know. Um, I had an experience with a previous client uh, that I must have done 500 one-on-one personal training sessions with over the last few years. Uh, I left the gym I was working in and got a call one day to say, like, my Don passed away two days ago, you know. And, Mm. like, this guy was, you know, picture of health, obsessed with golf, like, happiest guy ever. And all of a sudden, you're just – and he played at the same golf course I played at too. So, like, when I go there now, I'm often thinking, like, you know, how much – Don would love to be playing like he was mm. six, 61 as I said like really healthy had some like weird you know reaction to some illness or something and like that was it and you know I think there are things that you don't really consider when you know you're you're 17 or 18 but as you get a little bit older there are things that that pop up you know without getting sort of too too mushy or or anything you know but that's definitely something that plays on my mind more you know you see like parents friends getting a little bit older and you're like what what is what is the point of you know pushing at certain things too hard if you're like what am i getting back out of it you know Mm. yeah that's uh that's fascinating i and and i know um that that's on that's on the sad side of things it is it's it's um empirically sad but it's uh the perspective that you can come to from realizing wait why why am i so living and dying by this score right or by this pursuit of this external goal what am i what do i really want out of this and and i think self awareness is required to say i don't i don't um why am I, why am I doing this in the first place? What am I going for? What would make me happy? And that's what I'm going to pursue. And, you know, feeling better in my body, working hard, you know, working out, being more fit, being, getting outside, these, all these kind of things. And, and you decide, okay, that's what I want. Or you decide, no, I want to win that golf tournament, right? It's, it's the self-awareness of, okay, what drives me? And that's what I'm going to do. And yeah. And it, Maturity is a big part of it, um, or learning the hard way, or experiencing something like you experienced recently. Uh, those things can can remind you um, maybe maybe pushing too hard on this isn't so important, or making all the money I possibly can isn't so important, right? Or or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, but I think it's it's different for different people too. Like some people like absolutely love being hell bent on something and maybe they need to have something that all their focus is geared towards or else they're kind of at a loss in terms of like how the hell am I supposed to spend my time now you know and and like my point this is like I'm literally just talking about kind of me and the decisions like that I make is that like it's it's not a case of you know you don't care about anything or you're you're not trying to get better at anything. It's just like, you know, basically trying to find a, a happy medium, I suppose. But there, and I'm 
you know, probably by nature a little bit more like even keel anyway. I, you know, enjoy basically like just chilling out and kind of doing doing my own thing a lot of the time. But you do see people and it's often people who are the most successful in sport. They are like incredibly driven towards a singular goal. Um, and that's what keeps them happy and sane and well. And if they didn't have that centerpiece, they struggle. And you see that often with athletes when they retire or when they get injured, that they're like, Jesus, what do I do now? Um, so I think everybody's, you know, probably essentially trying to figure out what's good for them and how how they can keep going in a way that's healthy and sustainable, I suppose. And I think an important point too, like this is something that I've definitely learned from, I don't even know if from working in elite sport, but kind of from following it a little bit. Probably some of it is from having getting to have conversations or at least an insight into some of the things that go on in elite sport. And there's so many ways to get access to kind of what's going on with athletes now with podcasts and books and things like that. Like the highest levels of sport often aren't healthy. Like we always associate sports, you know, and athletics with say fitness and health. But there's a hundred percent a cutoff where you go from something that is like a healthy activity to no, this isn't healthy at all. Like this is really trying to optimize performance in every single way. And when you do that, you're like often on the brink of like physical and mental breakdown. Like talk to an athlete in a sport that's reliant on extremely high level physical outputs and like that's often unbalanced and, and and not healthy you know um and then you often hear athletes when they've retired they're like yeah to do that i had to be you know extremely self-centered extremely driven that was the only way I could be at that level now that i'm retired and i've stepped back i can kind of see you know that's that's something that wasn't sustainable for a long time but that's kind of what was needed for my career you know there's been numerous athletes have talked about that like people in the u.s wouldn't be particularly familiar with them i'm sure but like there's a famous rugby player from ireland called ronan o'gara um exceptionally good rugby player um another one is johnny wilkinson and they've both spoken about how like unbelievably driven they were during their careers and then when it was over, kind of like, you know, that's just so different to how I want to live my life now as someone on the outside of it, basically. So, yeah, there's definitely, I think, different different mindsets for different people. And, you know, we're all, we're all wired a, a little bit differently, I'm sure. All right, everyone, hope you enjoyed part one of my conversation with Mike. I really loved his thoughts on having a better self-awareness about your own capabilities and knowing your own limits. So stay tuned for part two with Mike Carroll, where we go in depth into Rory McElroy, how we can learn from the struggles he's gone through and how to have a better relationship with the game. And as I always mention at the end of these episodes, what you've heard here isn't therapy. It's meant for information and education purposes only. If you feel like you need personal help on some deeper things you're going through, I encourage you to go talk to a licensed professional. But on the golf psychology front, 
If you feel like what you've heard doesn't quite cut it and you'd like to work one-on-one with someone, I'm a golf psychology coach. I work with players all over the world on improving their minds so they can improve their performance on the course. So if you'd like to get in touch with me, feel free to send an email to mentalgolfshow at gmail.com or visit my website, joshnicholsgolf.com. The links to do both of those things are in the show notes of this episode. All right. Thanks again to everyone who listened to this podcast, whether you're new here or you've been here since day one, I really appreciate the community we've built. If you've enjoyed this episode, go subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And I would love it if you shared this episode with a friend. Okay. Thanks for listening to the Mental Golf Show. I'm Josh Nichols, and I will catch you guys next time.